Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Today, we are going to be talking about the intersection of neurodivergence and negative self-talk. So if you have heard your kids say, I am so dumb or I am so stupid, this podcast is for you. So one of the most heartbreaking things a parent can hear is a child being mean to themselves. Some children get so overwhelmed at times that they call themselves names, or even worse, we might see our child hit themselves when they're upset. As adults, we can feel helpless in these moments and are quick to say something to negate our kid's statement, like, of course you're not stupid, or don't say that, it's not true. But responding with comments opposite of a child's thoughts can feel dismissive and sometimes leave our children feeling emotionally alone. So in this week's podcast, I'm going to walk you through what's happening for many of our kids in these moments, why it's more common in kids with neurodivergence, autistic children, kids with ADHD, kids with anxiety, kids who are twice exceptional and have a lot of variability of skills, and I'm going to share a few ideas on how to support them. One important note is to remember that these ideas are just for informational purposes only. If you have concerns about your child's safety due to any physical self-harm or verbal self-criticism, please talk with their medical or mental health provider. Okay, so why do kids engage in negative self-talk? One reason is that some kids assume that they should be good at everything, and if they're not, they're good at nothing. So let me explain. Young children are concrete thinkers, or what we would call black and white thinkers, And many neurodivergent kids are concrete thinkers, even later into their elementary and sometimes teen years, even if they're highly intelligent. Concrete thinking can sometimes lead kids into making assumptions like, I'm really good at reading, so I must also be really good at building things. And then if they're not good at building things, they're going to feel like 
they should have been and they're disappointed. Some other kids may say, everyone in third grade has a friend and I don't, so I must be a terrible person. Concrete thinkers may see a classmate succeed at academic or social things and therefore assume that their classmate is good at everything. We need to help our kids know that no one is good at everything. We know this as adults, but I bet you can think of a classmate when you were growing up who seemed to be good at everything. When did you realize that that actually wasn't true? We have to help our kids understand that while some of us are neurodivergent, we are all neurodiverse as a human population. No one is good at every single thing. Some kids have very asynchronous development, and this also leads to confusion and leads them to maybe expect that they're going to be good at everything. And then when they're not, we have to help them understand their asynchronous development. Growing up as a neurodivergent kid, you have a neurodivergent brain, which means that at some point you probably are going to realize that your skills are slightly unpredictable. So kids need to know that they may be better at some things than their peers, and they may need more support than their peers at other things. In case you haven't listened yet, Penn Holderness explains in his podcast interview with me how his creativity and learning and math were a much stronger skill for him than his ability to control his body growing up. Even though he wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until college, he is grateful for opportunities he had that he could lean into related to his interests, including music and video production. And those interests were within his school day, so that provided a creative outlet for his energy. The sooner we can normalize for our kids that human brain development is not linear, the better. They do get mixed messages on this because our education system is designed in a very linear way, but that's not how brains develop. Our kids likely need to figure out how to strengthen their skills, and they're going to notice that they strengthen skills faster if that's aligned with their interest, and that they're going to have to work harder on skills and tasks that they find boring. That's just part of the learning process. So another reason that kids can sometimes engage in negative self-talk is because mistakes are pretty overwhelming for them. And this is more true for neurodivergent kids. Many neurodivergent kids are also highly sensitive and easily frustrated by mistakes. You can go back and listen to a previous podcast or read the previous blog post about mistakes to learn more. When we pair concrete expectations with sensitive emotions, it makes it hard to process disappointment when we're faced with failure. So if you're growing up with impulsivity, you may also make mistakes more often, causing you to be reprimanded frequently. And that can lead to feeling like you're not good at anything, when in fact you're just feeling overwhelmed more frequently. It's incredibly important that we help our kids understand their lagging skills so that the mistakes that they make aren't always surprising. We can then empower them to ask for help so they don't begin making assumptions that one mistake means they're not good at anything. Okay, so how do we support the emotional development of our neurodivergent kids when they're faced with these setbacks? We have to teach them about the neurodiversity of all brains, not just their brain, but also neurotypical brains. And I like to call this teaching kids about neurotypical deficits. So I like to flip the script on this and say neurotypical brains are not better. They're just different. 
One of my favorite things to share with neurodivergent kids and teens is about my neurotypical brain weaknesses. I've written before about how I've had higher social anxiety and test anxiety in my past, but in general, I identify as someone with a neurotypical brain. If I'm talking to a kid who has a deep interest, let's say in U.S. presidents, I make sure to explain to them that my brain cannot do what their brain can do. I would have to Google everything that they're telling me. They get such a thrill out of this, knowing that their brain can do things that my brain can't do. I've also been known to say things like, I have many gifts, but understand the periodic table of elements is not one of them. Chemistry was a disaster for me in high school. So being honest with kids about the things my brain can't do, but their brain can, gives them this thrill that we often will laugh about, which then increases our connection and increases their curiosity about the neurodiversity of all people. So I encourage all adults to normalize these differences with curious conversations about neurodiversity. Believe kids when they say they can remember amazing things and explain intricacies of topics most neurotypical brains wouldn't even notice. Celebrating neurodiversity in this way becomes a protective factor so that neurodivergent kids believe in what they can do when faced with something they can't do yet. I want to say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The Regulation Roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the Reframing Behavior Worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdremily.com slash tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdremily.com slash tracker to get started. So how do we teach them about their brain? If a child is engaging in negative self-talk, they're starting to notice differences and already feeling less than. So it is time to start talking to them about their brain. Your child doesn't have to have an official diagnosis to begin talking through and understanding what they're already noticing about their learning. You can validate the experience of noticing what feels hard to learn, what feels easy to learn, just by talking about it. Talk about what's hard for you to learn, or maybe what was hard for you to learn as a kid and a teen, and what you did to get more support, maybe what you don't need support with anymore because you practiced it, or you may have figured out a strategy or a workaround. We have to teach kids about everyone's variability of skills and what we've done to problem solve it so that they know, especially our concrete thinkers, that it's not just I get it or I don't. There's all this learning stuff in the middle to figure out. 
I call this the learning circle, and I explain this in more detail in my Parenting on Your Own Path course. Some kids' skills align with traditional school curriculum really well, and some just don't. Just because our strengths are not academic or social, like the things that are going to stand out in a school setting, doesn't mean we don't have strengths. The more kids hear this message, the better. The main thing to work on with our kids who are engaging in negative self-talk, aside from helping them understand what to expect about their learning, is practicing frustration tolerance. All children go through a period of development when they realize that learning is a process. It really boils down to this. We are born not knowing how to do stuff, and we are looking around at all these people who know how to do all this stuff, and then we realize that we have to try, fail, and practice all the stuff to build our skills. This calls for flexing our frustration tolerance, and many impulsive and emotionally sensitive kids struggle with tolerating this feeling. Due to our evolutionary survival instincts, our brains are lightning fast at registering our emotions. Something an adult would likely see as just frustrating might register as a stress response to a neurodivergent brain, leading to a fight, flight, or fawn response. If you want to read or listen more about stress responses, go back and look for that blog and podcast episode. In this moment, we must help our children just stay safe while they're feeling stressed, then help them slow down by describing what we see, like your fists are going like this, and maybe we're modeling for them what they're doing and clenching fists. And then we take a deep breath for ourselves so we can begin co-regulating with them and giving them the words that match their emotions, something like, you're frustrated because you wish you could get this right the first time. We need to keep showing up for our kids in these moments to model the emotional regulation that we want to see from them and providing the language that matches their emotional state. We can also say out loud when we get frustrated during the day and why it's worth it to keep working on it or ask someone who knows more about the task for help. So when should you get professional support for your child? If your child is distressed on a daily basis, it's time for a professional to work with them to figure out the root cause and support their understanding of their skills. If your child is avoiding activities for fear of failure or is refusing to go to school, it's time to talk to a therapist for support. And of course, if your child is harming themselves physically or emotionally and you're having difficulty helping them, it's time for professional support. Our goal is not to help our children become great at everything so they will never experience failure. The goal is to help them feel supported in the midst of these setbacks, knowing that many neurodivergent brains are sensitive to mistakes and concrete thinkers may struggle to accept the variability of their learning. It can be quite liberating for kids and teens to figure out their strengths. It just might not be the school stuff or the sports stuff or the social stuff. Finding their interests, their people, and their joy is the goal. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. 
This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.